0: Welcome to Tent Talk, the podcast with Nancy McCrady, where we talk about life under the big tent of God's presence and the provoking process of discipleship. Here we go. Hey everybody, welcome to Tent Talk. This is Nancy McCrady. God is our greatest destiny relationship. We must learn from Him to love, live, and let truth be our compass. God prefers honesty. He longs for honest conversations rather than fluff talk with no substance. So how about we have some of that today on this episode of Tent Talk. Take a listen, share with others, give us a five-star rating and a fantastic review, and it will help others to be able to find Tent Talk and help us to get the message out. So here we go, my friends. Enjoy today's episode. All right, here we are for Destiny Relationships 2.0. So I am doing this uh, from my hotel in Wrocław, Poland, which is where I'm going to be catching my first leg of the journey home, uh, catching my flight from here into Frankfurt, and then Frankfurt to Houston. And so because I'll be traveling, getting up at like two... 30 a.m. Uh, to get to the airport and all of that, I am recording this today. And so when you're listening to it, I will be traveling home on Tuesday, and I am really looking forward to it. And as I shared previously, this is a part of why I am, I think, being so stirred about destiny relationships. When I think about getting home, I don't know how to describe exactly what that. Um, feels like. I'm sure some of you know. Um, It's learning to manage the tension, right? It's not a problem that I can solve, right? Because this is a part of my life, my assignment. Uh, It is a part of the assignment on my family. Um, And so you learn to manage tensions, not just solve problems. Some problems I can solve, Uh, Some things are meant to be dealt with, rectified, quickly put in their place, done. Other things you learn in this long haul, long distance race that we're in is then there will be things you must learn to manage the tension of those things, of being very glad to be where I am. I've been very glad to be in Europe for the last month, but I am really looking forward to getting home. And I'm going to be very glad to be home and working from the NMM uh, ministry house. I'm going to be really glad to be going uh, to Iowa. So I want to make sure and put this out there uh, for the Iowa cross encounter, May 18 to 20. You can look on our social media at NB McCrady, and you'll be able to see that, be able to see the registration link. If you want to join me and some really fantastic people uh, in Council Bluffs, Iowa, make sure you fly into Omaha, Nebraska. That's how you get to Council Bluffs, Iowa. And so you're learning to manage tensions. And sometimes in destiny relationships, this is a part of that, is that some problems you can solve and resolve and come to agreement on as you seek God's will Uh, because in destiny relationships it's not my way or the highway it's not your way and never my way Uh, we are seeking God's way and God brings us into agreement and we begin to uh, walk together yield uh, to the the common good in the sense of what is the best for the assignment what's the best for the body of Christ right because God is taking care of us and so this is where our individual freedom begins to be integrated into uh, what is best for the body of Christ and for what God is doing. I know he'll take care of me, um, and therefore I'm free to begin to consider really what, what is it that is for the, the, the greater work that he's doing. So, I want to continue reading to you um, excerpts from some of my own writings on this and um, and then, you know, maybe make some comments. So we ended uh, yesterday's portion or the previous episodes portion. Uh, we, ended with me making the statement that we cannot take Christian lessons from the devil when it comes to relationships really or anything else because he will have us twisting ourselves like pretzels. He will have us so twisted up and so dysfunctional and so toxic, right, and calling it Christianity. It's like, no, we have to learn how to live, love, and relate from how God loves and relates to us. So, I open today and begin reading from my own writings about this, and here we go. We will learn of him from him if we are to live and love like him. This life that we share in, the very life and nature of God himself, is extraordinary. (laughs) It is supernatural. To say it's out of this world, is it's all such an understatement. But it is extraordinary in the way it expresses love, honor, truth, value, and in the way pain, choices, boundaries, and identity are experienced and resolved. God's word is a living book of relationship the relationship of God to people, how much he wants to be one with us, and then people to God, how we reciprocate and how we love him back out of the love that he has poured into us. And then we learn how to relate people to people, person to person. It has always been amazing to me how God Wears his heart for us on his sleeve, if you will, not fearing rejection or testing the waters first to see if we love him too. He has declared to heaven and earth his deep, eternal, and redeeming love for us without reserve, retreat, or regret. Our Father has taken the greater responsibility in our relationship, yet he hasn't taken all responsibility. He knows what he is responsible for, and he knows what we are responsible for. The problem is, is we don't have any idea what our responsibility is in relationships. So we must learn this from him. God has established lines. Some would call it boundaries. But I don't want to use the word boundaries here and lose some of you. Uh, Because sometimes people have so many boundaries that they're trying to put on other people, right? And I can't put boundaries on other people. I can tell people what I'm willing to uh, function in, what I'm willing to involve myself with. I can let people know where I start and stop. And, you know, but they're going to have to (laughs) deal with themselves far too often. We set so many boundaries, we're left with about, you know, two feet by two feet to move around, and we have trapped ourselves, and we become an isolated people. So God has established boundaries. He's established lines. In the scripture, it says that his lines have fallen in pleasant places for me. It also says, basically, don't touch the ancient boundary lines that God has set. Man is man, woman is woman, right? That God has set certain things in order. And when man thinks he can just reach down and he can just move it any way he wants. Oh, and when I say man, I mean mankind. When we think we can be God and we can move his ancient boundary lines, and we can just decide it's okay. See, we don't understand that when we grab those ancient boundary lines that there are tectonic plates under the ocean floor. We can't see them, but we have begun a tsunami way offshore. We have set in motion things that are devastating and destructive But while we play on the beach, we just think everything is fine. We can do whatever we choose. We don't understand that we have literally grabbed something and everything begins to ripple underneath. Those tectonic plates are moving and shifting. And there is a massive wave coming from off the shore. And we must realize that it's possible we're about to inherit a tsunami of our own making. My friends, that wasn't written in the notes, okay? I'm just saying that I want us to be clear that when I say God has established boundaries and he respects them, uh, I'm not necessarily speaking of what some would consider the psychological phenomenon known as boundaries where... We are constantly trying to put boundaries on other people, tell other people what they're going to do, right? It's like when someone says to me, you know, Nancy, I want you to hold my feet to the fire. I'm like, no, no, I'm sorry. I don't do that. If you want to put your feet to the fire and you want to hold your feet to the fire, then pull up a chair and I'll be more than glad to sit there with you and you can process what it's like to put your own feet to the fire right do we understand that sometimes what we're saying to people is is that i'm not willing to do all the work but i want you to right and th- this is this is a part of what we we have to begin to learn from god about what he means by relationships by this oneness and We look at how Jesus himself lived, and we learn of him. So let me go back into my writings. God has established boundaries, and he respects them. He leaves work for us to do that only we can do. He allows us to experience painful consequences of our behavior so that we will be motivated to change. He doesn't want us to perish So he permits pain and uses it for our good. He takes no delight in our destruction or in our pain, but he is determined to work towards transformation from within. It grieves him deeply, yet in his grief there is no self. He doesn't rescue us from our decisions to spare himself. He will not violate our will or wish to be left alone. He will implore us to return to him, but desires it be out of our own choice, out of our own freedom. He wants us to work out, the same as the emerging butterfly works out strength in its wings as it struggles in death to its caterpillar existence. This is metamorphosis. God respects our no. He does not control or nag. He allows us to say no and go on our way. God grants us choice and allows us to decide for ourselves, to make up our own mind. When we say no to him, he allows it and continues to love us. He is a giver, not a controller. In his giving nature, he gives choice and the freedom to reap consequences. He isn't constantly seeking to buffer us from the results or outcomes of our choices. He loves and chooses us freely and prefers we reciprocate out of our freedom once born again. God prefers honesty. He longs for honest conversations rather than fluff talk with no substance. When we are honest, we are closer to seeing the destructiveness of our ways and therefore closer to being granted the gift of repentance. We often say yes, but we act no. We often say we want to change, but do not do the follow-up work to promote true change. God provokes us to truth. He continues to speak it, reveal it, and demonstrate it in the way he interacts with us. He doesn't tell us what we want to hear, but what we need to hear. He has our best interest at heart, not self-protection for his heart. This enables him to continue and persevere in truth without being deflected by our anger, pretense, and dishonesty. We can say all day how much we want to change as we lie to ourselves and others, but the day we are honest with God and ourselves because he has brought us to this honesty by the way he interacts with us, then we can begin to own our boundaries, our lines with God, and allow him to work deep inside of us. God allows for anger. We often fear being honest because it was not safe to express honesty in our early human relationships. Self always chooses dark over light. We fear abandonment and retaliation. We fear being left alone. We seek to avoid personal attack and loss. God desires truth in our deepest and innermost parts. He is seeking real relationship with us. He wants to hear it all, no matter how irreverent we may think it is. When we own what is within our own boundaries, our own self, bring it to him in the light, then God can do something. It is God's way of life to live in the light. No eggshell walking, no chicken talking. God respects our boundaries and expects his boundaries to be respected also. If he says no, he means no, and we must honor his freedom. We must not put demands on him to prove his love for us or demand that he must do what we think is best. Here we are in danger of testing God's freedom. When we are angry with him for what he does not do, we are not allowing him the freedom to be who he is. The basic problem in human relationships is freedom. We call people bad because they do not do what we want them to do. We judge them for being themselves, for fulfilling their wishes. We withdraw love from them when they do what they feel is best for them, but it is not what we want them to do. We do the same with God. We feel entitled to God's favor as if he has to do what we want him to. How do you feel when someone asks you for a favor but does not give you a free choice? This childish entitlement gets many people dissatisfied with God the same way they are dissatisfied with others in their lives. Self hates the freedom of others. Now, I want to interject here that I have quotation marks around what I've just read. And yet I have not, to my dismay, I have not placed in here where this quote came from. But I'm going to uh, take a stab at this and say that it might be out of Dietrich Bonhoeffer's book, Uh, called Life Together or it might be Out of Toxic Love by Malcolm Smith and because it has quotes around it I I thought it was sounding too profound to be my own writing and then I saw I saw the quotes so I want to interject here that this is where I think uh, those last two or three paragraphs that I've just read where I think they come from all right and so here we go back into reading God is free from us. When he does something for us, he does it out of choice. He is not under compulsion, guilt, or manipulation. He does things like dying for us because he chooses to. We can rest in his pure love knowing he has no hidden resentments in what he does. His freedom allows him to love. When our brethren in the Bible, remember it is a massive book of relationship, Uh, Our brethren in the Bible embraced God's freedom and learned to respect his lines uh, and it deepened their relationship with God. Job came to accept God's freedom, not to rescue him in the way that he thought he should or his timing, but Job adapted himself to God. Paul accepted God's boundaries when he was denied traveling a certain course or receiving healing in a certain way. Paul accepted God's sovereignty and did not reject God for that boundary. Jesus accepted God's way in the Garden of Gethsemane, the cross, and all things. And today, he has the name above every name, and he is our eternal Savior and Lord. We get to decide if we will live God's way, respecting his ancient lines, for they have great purpose and reward. He does not want us making him the bad guy in every situation where he makes a decision. He isn't controlled or manipulated by guilt, crying fleshly pity, and nor should we be. God is the ultimate responsibility taker. Although he is long-suffering, there does come a time when he decides out of his freedom that enough is enough, and he moves forward with plans and actions He doesn't threaten, pout, scold, but he simply takes responsibility for his plan, accepting that those invited into his grace do not desire to come, and he moves on. In this way, we learn that God tends to his own heart and doesn't leave it to man to tend to him, but he tends to himself by making a new and fresh decision. He lets go of those rejecting him and reaches out to the new. God is a good model. When we are hurting, we need to take responsibility for the hurt and make some appropriate moves to make things better. This may mean letting go of someone and finding new friends. It may mean forgiving someone and letting them off the hook so we can move forward and we can experience the richness of our oneness with God. Gospel living, my friends, is real living. It brings us back to right order and truth. Here, the crooked is made straight. Only as the two, you and God, have your separate identities, yet a yet a total shared oneness, can real life together happen. If we try to do His work, and expect Him to do ours. We will fail to experience and to know him as who he truly is and who we really are to him. If we try to do his work, we fail. If we refuse to do ours, we live in bitterness. Now, as you can tell, my friends, these are a few thoughts. Some are my own. Some are from other writings that I have picked up on over the years that have amazingly provoked me to really think about how does God love? Jesus said, love others as I have loved you. So think about it. How has he loved you? What have you learned about relationship and about real love from him? You see, he is our greatest destiny relationship. And if we're going to love God, love ourselves, and love our neighbors as ourselves, my friends, we have a lot of learning to do. And as the old quote says, the illiterate of the 21st century isn't the person that can't read and write. It's the person who refuses to learn, unlearn, and relearn. We don't want to be illiterate. We want to be those who are unlearning right? many things we have thought and where we got so much of that out of the pit of self. Some weird form of Christianity that I don't think is of God. Because when he really loves you and you let him, then you learn how to actually love because you've received his love. So, I think this episode is one to be re-listened to. It's one to really ponder. How much honesty have you embraced in your life? Not with others, but with God. How much do you appreciate and value the freedom that God has given you and The freedom that other people have. People do not have to love you. It is a very rich thing if another person knows everything about you and chooses to love you. That, my friends, is rich. And many of us won't know that on too grand a scale. But, my friends, to have just a few that would love like he loves. Knowing all and choosing to love. And coming to value the freedom that God gives us and the freedom that we can then enjoy and the freedom that we pass on to others. Hmm? Are we choosing to live in the light? Are we being honest about our anger and yet not staying there? right the scripture says i believe in ephesians you know be angry but do not sin be angry my friends but do not handle it independently of the father yes be honest about the anger there are things to be angry about but then immediately bring it to the father and find his way of dealing with that and addressing that are we allowing him to provoke us to greater truth Are we understanding that though we may grieve, this does not move us to try to rescue everyone? I think one of the most powerful lines I've read, and and I'm just prompted here as I'm thinking, did I really write this? I mean, surely I read this somewhere. (laughs) But my friends, I have failed miserably not to um, footnote Uh, where I got this, but I'm just acknowledging. I I may have written it uh, and rewritten it from thoughts that I read in some of the books that I've been reading for years. But nevertheless, this statement is so powerful. It says, It grieves him deeply, yet in his grief there is no self. So he doesn't rescue us from our decisions just to spare himself. Wow. So, a deeply provoking episode today. And some of this I'm also looking back into um, because I am in the process of developing. I don't think it will be called Cross Encounter 2, but it's going to be for people who have already been through Cross Encounter And I am developing another depth to go into of, now, how how do we live in the way of the cross? The work of the cross is towards all that is old. The way of the cross is the way that God has given for the new man to live, for it is the way of God's life himself. So I'm giving a lot of thought to these things. So I pray you are too. So I love you all and we will talk soon. For more information on Nancy, please visit nancymccrady.com or follow her on social media at nbmccrady.